Hello and welcome to the Money Mitch Effect. It's time for another episode of everyone's quirkiest podcast. Mitch Michaels here, and we are going to talk a lot of different sports today. We're bringing back the college football roundtable. I've decided to do that. Ron Schultz and Matt Wittenberg. It's too hectic of a time. Numbers two, three, and four go down in the college football rankings. A lot to sort out there as we look towards the finale, the final act of the college football season. And then Brenna Haven, a good friend of mine from the NFL Network, is going to come on the show. She works in the Snapchat area for them. A lot of social media, a very big pop culture expert. We're going to talk about that, as well as her D.C. sports team. She grew up in the D.C. area. A lot to talk about there with Kirk Cousins and his Redskins team doing big things. We're going to talk about that and more. It's the Money Mitch Effect. Tim Adams on the track. You know when you hear it, something's about to go down. Let's start the show. All right, desperate times call for desperate measures, college football chaos, and with that, we're bringing back the round table to the Money Mitch Effect. Matt Wittenberg, Ron Schultz, thanks for coming back. Hey, thanks for having us again. Yeah, glad to get the uh, team back together. Some, uh, a lot of talking points in this one, yeah, I think. exciting week in college football. Yeah, now uh, officially being the third time we're doing this, you guys are a package deal, so. All right. You can get out of <laughs> I'll that. take it. A lot of news to break down, but our top story, as always, Ohio goes down in the MAC, and we are looking at a Miami of Ohio MAC championship game. So I'm really, excited. so really excited for that. Uh, this wasn't in the rundown. <laughs> Let's go Ohio. Hey, just a real <laughs> That's quick, all I got. So real quick note on that: we're, we're taping this interview on a Tuesday night, and what we just saw was Maction at its finest. The weekday Maction degenerate games where an Ohio Bobcats lost to Central Michigan. Doesn't mean much, because all these teams can lose to all these teams. Especially but, in the MAC. But what it sets up is Miami of Ohio going in to play Ball State in their final game of the season. Miami lost their first six games of the year, won their next five. So they're either going to the MAC title game or they're bowl ineligible. And so, that is Maction. Yeah, it's a little bit too extreme <laughs> right funny. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the biggest story, aside from all that high-quality Maction, is that the number two, three, and four teams go down. First time in over 30 years that happened. Well, Michigan doesn't go down. They just stay the same. <laughs> mm. Go down in the sense of losing, <laughs> uh, I should clarify for everybody here. They lost to Iowa. Clemson loses to Pitt. And then, of course, Washington loses to USC. A lot of dominoes to shuffle. We're going to start by breaking those three games down individually, and then we'll get to the playoff ranking. We'll start, Ron, with Michigan losing to Iowa. Not exactly a classic performance by either team. Iowa guts out a 14-13 win. Big day for kickers. A lot of made field goals with the game on the line. Big 10 football right there. Iowa was 5-4 and four going into this game, 3-3 three and three in conference. How do they knock off a top three team in all of college football? I think Iowa is a good, they do have a pretty good home field advantage. And I think Michigan kind of started to look forward. I think Michigan, a little bit, you start to believe your own hype. And I think they started probably to look forward to that Ohio State game going, we got to make sure that we're healthy and ready to go for that game because that could decide whether or not we go to the Big Ten title game or not. At that point, it's just an overlook. And uh, they just didn't come in ready. They just didn't come in ready to play. And uh, cut a couple bad breaks, and that's all it took. Right. There was uh, a couple interesting plays to begin this game. The And I hate Michigan as much as anyone, but the targeting was just ridiculous <laughs> on the punter doing a somersault. 
So that got the game off to an awkward start. But Spate going down, I mean, he's out now, probably for the season. You could tell yeah, during that game he was not right. Run, right? No. And, and even before he got injured, he was off. He wasn't playing well. Look, Iowa's defense, Ference gets him up for a game. He probably earned himself another 20-year contract extension. <laughs> but he knows how to get his team ready for the big games, and he did it again. He he's got a great track record in close games in conference with, I think, I, Michigan's offense definitely choked. But I don't want to take away from the fact that Iowa had to make some plays down the stretch to win this game. That's true, yeah. Iowa defensively had a really solid game plan. They made Spate go on the move a lot, and he didn't attempt a whole lot of passes, only 26, and only 103 yards on the day. So, yeah, they knew that they had to keep keep him uncomfortable and get more time with their offense on the field. And it was like Ron said, a grinded-out Big Ten-type football game with whole lot of three and outs and uh, not a whole lot over midfield. But, yeah, Michigan's, like, first, I would say, first true road test of the season, too. And yeah. I don't know how much that played wow. into it. But, yeah, not leaving the big house except to play in uh, Piscataway against Mighty Rutgers. <laughs> so, I hopefully this is an wake-up wake call for them. You but. can't even say that without laughing. <laughs> no, I, look, here's the biggest thing with me with this Iowa team, first of all. Ference is a very conservative coach, to a fault. I think his track record in these games bodes well because it was genius. He just, I'm going to slow the game down. I'm going to eat up clock. I'm going to take possessions away from both teams. And we're going to turn this into an ugly, boring Big Ten football game because that's what gives them the best chance to win. Right. It worked. His players still had to make the right plays. But I do think there's a little bit of Michigan knowing that a loss would not fully cripple them. We'll get to what the rankings say. But, Ron, even, even after this game instantly ended, you still knew, all right, Michigan handles business, they're going to the playoff. Of course, and I think that's kind of what I was saying earlier, is that they started to look forward to that Ohio State game knowing that that's the game that they need to win. That's the game that could keep them in or out of the playoff. And it, now I think if they lose that Ohio State game, they could possibly be out of the playoff. Oh, yeah. I think previously not losing this Iowa game, they could have lost that game and still made it to the playoff. But now it's seeming like that's a must-win for Michigan if they want to make it into the playoff. And the same thing for Ohio State. I think if Ohio State wants to make it to the playoff, they have to win that game. Yeah. Which, whichever team wins that game, I, I believe, should be and will be in the playoff. See, I like it. We still have drama. There's four teams who've expanded the field, and there's still all this drama. I'd say there's about it? six teams that can get in, though. Right. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm glad that, I mean, we've had this debate before. We don't have to rehash it. But four is a good number for me because there's still all this jostling for position. Michigan would be kicking their feet up after that loss. Oh, we lost one game. They're still, you know, we're third. I don't know how far we can really fall. But that's for another time and place. The next team to go down, actually the first of all three of these teams to officially lose in the time of day was Clemson. They go down to Pitt 43-42. I don't did you guys hear that the kicker's name was Blewett and he actually made the yeah, kick? He's, he's, missed some, he's missed some kicks and the commentators love to... Uh, so, to play with that one. So wasn't a gimme though. No, no, that's, no, a, that's a big was, kick. And I was really rooting for him because of that situation. Now he had missed kicks in that game. But with 42 points for Clemson in three quarters, they get outscored nine nothing in the fourth. It's hard to blame their offense for obviously putting up 42 points. I'm gonna go at some of the play calling, some of their decisions when they had the lead in the fourth. Watson threw the ball 70 times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why was he still throwing in the fourth quarter? Man, yeah. Talk about one-dimensional, geez. Yeah, 
he made a couple of mistakes too. He had the three picks, especially the bad one right there oh, in the red zone. That was the game right there. They used to get points, they probably win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think Pitt able to not necessarily the best defensive team in the ACC. Not I don't think the ACC is too great of a defensive conference, but yeah, they were able to key on key in on a little bit of what he was doing, and Dabo took full responsibility for the loss. So play calling definitely put, had a big impact on it. Obviously, if their defense is giving up forty three <laughs> points in a game, that's not generally a recipe for success. Yeah, I just think when you don't establish a running game, this is what happens. They threw the ball nonstop. They had no faith in their running game. They couldn't say, all right, we're up by eight now. We're up even when they got it within two. We're up by two. Let's just run the ball. Let's just eat up some clock and be fine. They had to keep throwing because that's what was working. Eventually, Pitt made enough plays to switch it. But, Ron, we had our doubts about this Clemson defense. They never were fully tested since that Louisville game. They'd given up some close plays here. NC State moved the ball on them very well. Could have won that game. We were almost waiting for them to have that setback, and here it is at a very crucial time. Yeah, I think I think a lot of this does come down to the defense because, yes, Deshaun Watson did have three picks, and that one in the end zone was bad. But can you blame him after throwing seventy passes? That's, that's like call. I mean, that's I don't just know why you put I think him that, in that comes to, yeah, and absolutely, and and it's funny because I've always liked Dabo, and I always thought he was a great coach, and this was kind of the first time that I go, why? You know, just certain certain things I felt like they kind of just took for granted. But I think the big mm-hmm. thing in this game that I was super impressed with was Nate Peterman. Pitt is a run-first team and always has been. If you've ever watched Pitt football, it has been. They've had running back after running back be their leader. And then they have a quarterback here go off in the, their biggest game of the year for five touchdowns and 300 yards. I mean, that's... Where has that pit team been all year? It, just, it hasn't been here. I mean, it, that's incredible. It was a sound adjustment. They saw the weakness on Clemson was the pass defense. They went with that. And to get I mean, to get your Dabo point, I think he's a good coach. But certain coaches are more motivators than they are X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Dabo, unbelievable motivator. Maybe not the best X's and O's. This was a strategy. Uh, yeah, some I think gaps I on his part. I think, I think he's definitely a very good motivator. And, that, and that's also not to take away from what James Conner did. He still had another 130-yard game with the touchdown. But that's if you're preparing for this game and you're Clemson, you prepare for James Conner. And Nate Peterman came out and said, you probably should have prepared for me. Wow. You know, it's I mean, that's a great, it's impressive. It really was. I believe we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, maybe in our first roundtable, that uh, Clemson living dangerously with these close games. And I think we were talking about with Tennessee at the beginning of the year, and we look how that ended up, then snowballing. I don't think Clemson's going to go on a three-game losing streak or anything, but you saw the game against NC State that they should have lost came down to a kick, the game against FSU that they were lucky to sneak right. by in. And they kind of rebound against those uh, Syracuse Orange there. Hey. They could have four losses, though. You're right. They they had too. four games that came down to the end. So they could, in a way, be fortunate they only have one loss. And how about 6-4 and four pit, 3-3 three and three in conference, two wins over the top ten? Well, that's what I was saying. Wow. I was going to bring up is the fact that if you look at Pitt's schedule and, and their losses. So the Oklahoma State loss, I think, is a good loss. I think Oklahoma State's a good team. They lost to UNC by one, who also is a pretty good team. I think UNC has a pretty decent team. They lost to Virginia Tech by three, another ranked team. And they got beat down by Miami. So that's they the only two, one, yeah. Right, that's the one that you really go, oh, okay. But everyone kind of has one of those losses. I think you could sneak Pitt into the top 25. Yeah, I wouldn't argue. I know it's a four-loss team, but 
It, some of those losses, I mean, a one-point loss to UNC. They'll be ranked if they went out. If they, I think so, yeah. I, I think if they that. went out. Penn State win she looks great right now. Exactly. Now we go to the final game. I think the only one that we thought, the only one that I thought was going to happen. Washington goes down at home to USC 26-13. to We'll dive into Pac-12 country with you, Wit. Mm. Washington lost this game. <laughs> Unlike the other two losses, this was a thorough beatdown. A, a two-score game, USC was in control from about, I'd say, end of first quarter on, this was the Trojans' game. How yeah. did they do it? Washington never led in that game, actually. And yeah, I think arguably USC's been playing some of the best football in the country Honest the last team in the country, four or five probably. weeks. At, you look at ever since they made the change to Darnell at quarterback, the their only loss being that road game at Utah in his first starts. This team, like we said, hotter than anyone. Still, USC can recruit. That's a team filled with athletes. And I just remember uh, Clay Helton, like everyone calling for his head, started the season, those that bad loss to Alabama. I mean, we know what Alabama is. So, And then losing to Stanford, which obviously doesn't look great now. And then they make the QB change. And, yeah, that was a strong win. Seattle, not an easy place to play. And Washington's defense is great. Uncharacteristically bad game from uh, Jake Browning turning the ball over twice. All the time. They came in with a swagger. They're playing with a lot of confidence right now. I would be afraid to play them if I'm any team in the country except for Alabama. We knew USC. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not afraid to play anymore, <laughs> including probably the Cleveland Browns and the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, they could probably hang with them for half. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. I don't even want to think about that. But. No, USC has some athletes on defense. We know that. We know that if they get... The Dory Jackson's interception, that's sealed it. It was one of the better uh, defensive plays I saw this weekend. And Browning throwing across his body. And look, they're battle-tested. The win over Colorado, I thought, was a season, was a, was a game-changer for mm-hmm. their season. When they had three losses, when they played a Buffalo team that's really good, that we knew was coming along, and they were able to beat them. Ron, I look at this more from the Washington side as maybe their one chance that they let slip away. With the Pac-12 down, with them undefeated and us still doubting, we saw a good USC team coming into Seattle, coming in to maybe be the feather in the cap of Washington's resume, and they let it slip away. Yeah, and I think, uh, unfortunately for Washington and for Pac-12 fans, that their college football playoff hopes may have also slipped away uh, with that loss. Now, obviously, there's still two more weeks of regular season, plus... You know, championship know. to play, so I'm not <laughs> saying that what any, just, what just nothing, happened. Who exactly, knows? <laughs> nothing is written in stone, but if everything works out the way it should, unfortunately for Washington, I think they're on the outside looking in. I think they get a very good New Year's Day bowl game, and they may may end up in the Rose Bowl, but... Uh, they went, Their only hope is to win out, and yeah. that if they lose, if they drop a second game, they need some help. I, I don't think, in, but if they win out, they're going to have a shot. Depending what happens everywhere yeah. else, but makes you think too about USC. If they only had two losses, where would they be ranked? Right, right exactly. Now? Mm. And their losses. I mean, the that Alabama losses. You might as well overlook that mm-hmm. Alabama loss. Talking college football, Ron Schultz and Matt Wittenberg on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now we'll go to the playoff ranking. It came out. We're recording this. It came out about two hours ago, so we're looking at it fresh for the first time. And, all right, this is interesting to get to. We are going to – I'll just read the top – I'll read the top eight, and then I'll let you guys uh, go from there with what jumps out at you. But the top eight in the playoff ranking, Alabama one, Ohio State two up three spots, Michigan stays the same at three, Clemson at four down two spots, Louisville at five up one, Washington at 6, drops 2. Wisconsin stays the same at 7. 
Penn State at eight, moving up two Good spots. Many lines. All right, Ron, Colorado up at ten. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma, Colorado. We'll round out the top ten there. All right, Ryan. For USC, looking even better. First thought jumping out at you with that playoff picture. Well, the first thing is that Michigan didn't drop after a loss, which blows my mind. <laughs> to an unranked team. <laughs> to an unranked team. That, uh, that blows my mind. The second thing that pops out of me is Penn State is right there. And with that loss by Michigan, that cleared the way so that if Penn State wins out and Ohio State be- beats Michigan, Penn State gets to play for the Big Ten title and could possibly play their way into <laughs> to a college football playoff berth, which if you had that, on your bingo card at the beginning of the year, you would be a very lucky and rich man at the end of this, and Penn State ends up in that college football play. Doesn't it just seem, when we talk about things not being written in stone, doesn't it just seem like the end-all be-all, how chaotic this year is, would be Rutgers beating Penn State this week? <laughs> right? <laughs> just, oh, my gosh. Destroying. Could you imagine? Well, I always say their only Big Ten win. Indiana had a real shot last week against Penn State. They were leading in the fourth quarter of that game. So while I give James Franklin and the Nittany Lions a ton of credit... How can we guarantee that they're going to win all these games? I and you know. can't. And uh, Michigan State You, can't, last you week, can't guarantee that anybody's going to win except for maybe Alabama. Went from Louisville's perspective. They move up one, but they're still at fifth. They're behind Clemson, behind Michigan. We figured Ohio State would jump. I think a lot of people thought they would be two going into this mm-hmm. poll. But Louisville's fifth. It was tight into the fourth quarter with Wake. Then they run away this week. But do you think this is right for Louisville? Too high, too low? About right, yeah. They're still outside looking in unless Clemson drops this game to Wake, but Louisville has to be super impressive and blow out Houston, I think, for them to have a shot at getting those style points to propel them in because I'm of the camp that believes that if you're not the best team in your division, you're not the best team in college football. And frankly, <laughs> this, this might be a bad year for that argument. <laughs> exactly. Frankly, it looks like we With may Ohio get State, Michigan, and Louisville, Louisville Clemson. We may get one of those teams in the playoff here who doesn't even end up going to their conference championship or game. So, right. but that, yeah, that's a discussion for once the playoff teams come out. So I want to throw out some scenarios. Well, first, just want to point out that you know you could get if you bet fifty dollars on Lamar Jackson not to win the Heisman, you'll get a one dollar return. He's one to fifty. I mean, if you, <laughs> I mean, you want an extra dollar, you want an extra dollar. You might, you might as, well as well give it to him. Well, I'll just throw it down. Okay, so first scenario. Put my life savings down. I might make six bucks. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> first scenario here. If you're doing math at yeah, home, well, I'm not going to do it. Out of respect for the guests here, Louisville <laughs> is fifth right now. Clemson's ahead of them. We have Michigan and Ohio State playing later in the year in the Eliminator game. Right, so one of those, in my opinion, is out. You think Louisville wins out, they're in for sure? Or what percentage would you put that on? They got Houston this week. It's it's in Houston, not I think if Louisville wins out, they should be in because one of either Ohio State or Michigan will have two losses. And if Clemson wins out, they're going to go to the ACC championship leaving Louisville not to play in the ACC championship. But Louisville has the best loss of any of these teams, in my opinion. I mean, their loss is to Clemson. So Ohio State's loss to Penn State, which is a good loss. Michigan's loss is to Iowa, which isn't as good of a loss. So I think Ohio State's loss and Louisville's loss are the two best losses in the top I agree. Top five. The problem with Louisville's loss is they lost a head-to-head matchup to a team they're competing with the spot with. And that's exactly. more bad luck to me than anything. And that's unfortunate for them. And it was on the road, and it was, yeah. It was a great game. Look, Louisville wins out. 
I put the percentage at about 80%, 75-80% that they go to the playoff because I don't uh, think that, Washington... That's, that seems high to me. Maybe I'll come down to 70. I, I, don't th- I think they're favored to go if they win out because you have a team that's going to lose. Do you really think, and I'll go into my second scenario, do you really think that a, a Wisconsin-Penn State winner will leapfrog Louisville? No, I, I don't. I think, and where's uh, the team coming from that's going to... Hypothetically, hypothetically, if, wa- if yeah. Washington okay. wins out, they might... There's still some dom- some dominoes that have to fall Washington for, State's a good for USC to make it, it to yeah. the Pac-12 championship. But say Washington gets their rematch with USC, wins in the Pac-12 championship, and isn't going in with one loss. Okay. With, how would that compare to a Louisville team with one loss who didn't play in their conference championship? And that's the argument, and, so, and, I, and I think that's a good argument. We're saying you need Colorado to lose to get USC in that game. Utah, too. But they, they play each other, so one of them is going to lose. And if we have a three-way tie? Hmm, three-way tie. I don't know how they would break that down, because if Utah beats Colorado, mm-hmm. then it's a carousel all the way around. Everybody beat everybody. And let's be honest, Washington's not going to lose to Arizona State this weekend. So they're, they're <laughs> going to have a chance to put up some style points. All right, Ron, I think it's time to break the news. They're going to get killed. Sorry, Wade. It's going to be the bounce back game. <laughs> we were saving that for later, but no. But one thing, one thing I wanted to bring up, and, and kind of this is kind of the, you know, the elephant in the room with college mm-hmm. athletics. Money is part of it, and ratings are part of it. And if Lamar Jackson wins right. the Heisman, which he probably will, they're going to want to do everything they can to put that team in the playoff, to put them on the net, put him and that team on the national stage. It wins money, it gets them ratings, and it's not necessarily. It, yeah. And I, I hate to say it, but there is pressure on that committee to put that guy and that team in simply to well, see him play in for a national championship or have the ability. To play for a national championship. You're seeing it with the rankings, I think. It's a human element. Why didn't Michigan drop? Because in that room, the committee thought, collectively, that this is still one of the top four teams in the country. That on a neutral site, we would take them over these teams ranked below them. And look, we're going to always have gripes. When it was the BCS, it was a computer, and we said, this isn't real, it's just stats. Like, how are they judging this? Now we have people saying it, and they're like, how? And we're like, how can they judge what's best? There's always going to be differences in opinion. You look but, at the NCAA yeah. no tournament, system. and 60, 68 teams get in, you still have the teams complaining. So, I mean, it's going to happen regardless. Yeah, if you played last year over again, Villanova doesn't win again. It's just yeah. every, every year, it, does, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It just it doesn't necessarily mean that the best team's going to win when you play this kind of playoff. Except for maybe 07 Florida, that ever, all, those, all those guys coming back. That's true. Um, I hated that team. I hated them too. <laughs> so, now, so now as we try to get back to topic, I do agree though. Lamar Jackson, that's the human element you want to see. And, and, I think, and that's a good loss. And there's going to be people saying, look, on the committee, they lost to Clemson in Death Valley by one score. Right. Which is probably I the think best they're better than, than, than Washington or a Wisconsin Penn State team. Which is a better loss than Pitt, Iowa, mm-hmm. or Penn State. Right. And so. to get to your other point with going back to the Ohio State or your non-conference thing, if Ohio State beats Michigan, because Michigan wins, they're going to control their own destiny, win mm-hmm. their conference, all that stuff. But if Ohio State beats Michigan, Penn State goes to the title game. Ohio State's going to be in. You know it's going it, to happen. It, it'll happen, no doubt. And the resume, while not winning their conference because of the head-to-head loss to Penn State, will have, or their division, will still have four top 10, top 15 wins on a loss to a team in the top 10. So the resume, I, I don't see a comparison with 2014 Big 12, where I don't think the non-conference and the conference wins were there between TCU and 
Baylor. And Baylor, who both dropped out of the rank, final ranking. Mm-hmm. So. Well, in that situation would be the one that would, I think, be the the only one that could possibly make it so that if Louisville wins out, they don't get in. Is if that situation happens, if Ohio State beats Michigan, and if Penn State wins the Big Ten. If Penn State wins the Big Ten championship, there's a possibility that the committee would say, okay, Ohio State's in and Penn State's in and leaving oh, Louisville geez. on the outside. Which would be, and, and that, and that yeah. seems crazy. Give the trophy to Bama. <laughs> right, exactly. But I'm just saying, that's a possibility. If yeah, that happens. I, I agree. It's, Look, and as a uh, fan of pro football, as we all are, I don't know that I want to see Lamar Jackson get slaughtered by Alabama. Right. By Alabama. I don't want to see him succeed. draft pretty much yeah, That was good. No, I think, look, Clemson controls their own destiny, but the last scenario I want to bring up is if Clemson goes to the ACC title game and loses, do we still rank them ahead of Louisville? No. Are they, then are they still in the playoff? No, maybe not. I don't think so, no. With two losses and losing... I don't think there will be... I do not think there will be a (laughs) two-loss team in the playoff. And it all comes back to why championship games are kind of dumb, in a sense, because Clemson could get screwed by their title game this year. The only way I think a two-loss team gets into the playoff is that situation I was saying earlier, where Penn State gets in, or Wisconsin gets in. Oh, look, if we're parsing here, and we had to pick one... I'm going Wisconsin over Penn State, in theory. Which team with two losses has a better chance? Wisconsin I think, I think Wisconsin's a better team overall than Penn State. to Michigan and Ohio State. Those are their two losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. We'll have to see. And I'm just, I just still don't understand why the playoff ranks all the way down to 25. <laughs> 25. I think they have an eight ball for the last spots. They dropped 17 spots, man. I know they need their... Uh, 17 You need your automatic, uh, your non-power five to go to your Cotton Bowl, which looks like it's going to be Western Michigan this year. The bow. But why don't they just say that? Like, this is the ranking, and oh, by the way, the next team up is Western Michigan. Like, uh, it just seems State like ranks ahead of them right now, though. Technically. Western Michigan goes undefeated, though. You can't keep him out of the no, New Year's Day no. Bowl. I don't I think. I agree. And that proves that all roads lead back to Maction in that whole conversation. <laughs> That's what it is. That. That's what, if, if you're keeping score at home, it's Mac, Mac 2. It is. I think that's everywhere else. Fourth no. action reference. Yeah, at least. So, still talking college football with Ron Schultz and Matt Wittenberg on the Money Mitch Effect. Before we get to picking some games this week, two real quick notes. I want to go around the table. We know that Omar Jackson is going to win the Heisman, barring a cancellation of the award altogether this year. But who would your finalists be? That's the question. If you had to pick, we'll say, we'll say four total, one other than Lamar Jackson. Who are the next three that go to New York City and get to cheer on Lamar Jackson when he accepts the award? <laughs> like how I ordered that? That's, that's right. a great way to put it. That's what's going to happen. Obviously still a lot to play out. Uh, I'd throw Watson in there still. I'm going to still show my boy Jake Browning some love. Not a great performance against USC, but uh, let's get a West Coast represented in there. Hmm. And you know what, Mitch? I'm going to throw uh, JT Barrett a bone. He's been putting up big numbers, a little bit under the radar, which I (laughs) quite frankly don't understand why since he's Ohio State's quarterback. Yeah, it's because the quarterbacks are... Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Watson, Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be an all-court, all-QB. So that's your all QB. Ron, agree? Uh, I actually disagree with Barrett, and I'm going to add in Jabril Peppers. Okay. Uh, Because I just, I've been impressed just with his ability to be versatile and play in so many different positions. And the last guy we kind of saw do that kind of thing was another Michigan defensive player, and he did end up winning 
the Heisman. So he did uh, played some offense. Too, yeah, right? he did. He and, did play a little bit more offense. Was playing than some offense, and he has been, but not nearly as much as Woodson was playing. But I'm gonna I'm gonna split the difference. Browning out, Peppers in. My other finals okay. for Watson. Okay. Okay. I can see that. But you know what? There's still a lot to play. If Washington runs a table and he puts on a passing clinic all the way up, beats Washington State, and then puts on a show against either a Colorado, Utah, or USC. Or like I said, he's going to have prime opportunity this weekend to get an yeah. extra 500 passing yeah. yards and maybe four or five extra touchdowns. Didn't, ask, didn't exactly ace his first test, though. That's the that's the one caveat I have, which is penciling him. And, that, and, and that's where people go, like, what is your Heisman moment? And unfortunately for Browning, I think... I think that was his Heisman moment. I think that game against USC, similarly with Watson, I think his Heisman moment is more or less past him. I think he's been great. I think he's been one of the best players in college football all year. He wasn't great in the game against Louisville. And like you guys have said earlier, that pick at the end of the pick game is just, yeah. you know, that sticks out as, as something that, if you're going to win the Heisman, you can't be doing stuff. It almost that. felt like they were trying to force feed him into the Heisman discussion by throwing by throwing seventy, 70 times, time. and it cost him a loss. All right, and lastly, before we get to our Where picks this week, where was he? <laughs> He's not bad. That's why I don't understand that's why they didn't that's run why the ball. I don't understand. Be that as it may, we were doing our chase last time of bowl eligibility with two story oh, programs. No. Michigan State has already dropped out of bowl consideration. Notre Dame, though, two weeks left. Can they run the table? Well, Brian Kelly... They're, they're not beating team. USC. I'm sorry. And Vatek, too. It's right. Vatek, then yeah. USC. They might, they they might lose those both games. those games. Well, 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 yeah, I'm with you now. I, losing the Navy. That was the game. I had a path. I had the path to winning the... Not the election, but winning the ball <laughs> eligibility. And they screwed me. I had my touchscreen right and everything. But no. Okay. So we are going to go one last time. Talking college football with Matt Wittenberg and Ron Schultz on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's make some game picks this week. And I that. can't believe there's only two weeks left. Like this season just flies by and it just it's staggering. It really was quick. The first one though. Louisville, Houston, Thursday night. It's gonna be at TDECU Stadium. $13 tickets, by the way, still. ESPN app has that. You can see Lamar Jackson play for $13 if you're in the Houston area. That sounds like a pretty good yeah, man. deal. If you're in the Houston area, <laughs> worst place to spend a Thursday get, night. Get your butt there. Yeah. That would be a hell of a show for a very cheap price. The line opened with at 2 o'clock, about 2.05 yesterday, as a pick and in five minutes swung instantly to Houston getting 14 points. Louisville, two-touchdown favorite. How do you see this one playing out? Is this Lamar Jackson and Louisville's last chance to put on a show I, for the committee? I, it is, yeah. I mean, you're not going to judge him too much for his game against Kentucky in the last week of the season, I don't think. But uh, Houston obviously had tremendous aspirations of potentially being that first group of five team to make it into the playoff. And a couple of roadblocks along the way stumbled them. But I think that Louisville takes care of business. I don't think that they blow the doors off of Houston, but I feel like that they definitely cover spread. Lamar Jackson's going to put up his numbers and what I think is going to be his big final performance for the Heisman Committee. I'm not sleeping on Tom Herman. I don't like them to win this game, but I like them to keep it close. Louisville, not the fastest starters. That Florida State demolishing, notwithstanding. They could be in a dogfight early. I think Lamar Jackson eventually makes the plays he needs to, but I like like Louisville by about 10. I'm going to go Louisville as well. I'm going to say, like you just did, that Houston will cover, though. Don't sleep on Greg Ward. 
Like, oh. That dude's that dude's a hell of a player Five as well. Five star player. Right I mean, there. he he is a really really good player. And again, like you were saying, Herman is a hell of a coach too. So they they're no slouch down there in Houston. That OU win looks even better than it did at the beginning of the season. I mean, they're number nine at this point. I'm going to say that Louisville will win this game. I think it'll be a little bit closer than people think, though. I think Houston's going to uh, come out and play. I think they're going to try and put on for their home fans a little bit. So here's your interesting line of the week. There's always one, right? 11 a.m. local time in Fort Worth, Texas. The Horned Frogs of TCU at 5-4, and 3-3 three and three in conference, take on number 11 ranked Oklahoma State in their four-point favorites, four-and-a-half-point favorites. TCU is favorite. It's 11 a.m. It's local. I don't know if the odds makers are, are too high in Oklahoma State. I'm getting a weird feeling about this game. And with, normally when I get those weird feelings about betting lines, it's always the favorite that covers. It's true. Yeah. Wow. I've seen this for the first time, too. It's interesting. <laughs> TCU, one of the more uh, disappointing teams in the country this season, Oklahoma State lived dangerously last week, though. They needed that missed uh, extra point against Texas That's Tech. That's got to be it, right? Like, after they mm-hmm. barely beat a pretty bad Texas Tech team exactly. at home. I mean, Arizona State beat Texas Tech, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Oklahoma State can still kind of make that argument that, well, their loss against Central Michigan wasn't really a loss. So this losing to TCU, though, would put all of their potential playoff hopes to bed and Man, I I would not touch this game at all. No, I'm not. I think I think the reason it is what it is is because the odds makers are looking at last week and they're looking at the fact that they blew Baylor's doors off. That being said, you look at the rest of their season. I am thoroughly unimpressed. I hate eleven a.m. local oh, time games. Can I and just that's throw and that, that is bad. That's super early, man. <laughs> These poor kids. You got to get them up by eight thirty. Like that's not fair. But that being said, OSU is basically in the same time zone. As TCU, so yeah. it's not like it's right. screwing them over too much. I think they're they sh- still should be able to handle it. It's early for TCU too, but I mean, this TCU team beat Kansas by one, <laughs> and you're gonna tell me they're gonna come out and beat Oklahoma yeah. State? I just can't see it. I, don't, I can't man, see it happening. I'm, I'm I'm leaning TCU here. I don't know. I gosh, this is a state but no though. no one on this TCU team. Am I impressed enough with that I feel like they can... It would have to be... I mean, I guess. We'll see. He was better when he was not at TCU. I have a a feeling a lot of weird stuff's going to happen. Yeah, this this game's going to come down to like a botched punt or something, or there's going to be a safety that decides... It'll it'll be weird. Big 12 football. The game that's finally happening, LSU-Florida at Baton Rouge this year. LSU, a 13.5-point favorite over the Gators. Look, I know this is LSU kind of turning around since the legendary Coach O took over the program. <laughs> Love but Coach O. 13 and a half points? This is just insane. That's a lot, especially for an SEC game. I mean, I'm taking Florida if I'm betting this game. I think LSU still wins, but more of a field goal type game. I agree, 100%. I don't think LSU's got enough offense to be putting up numbers to cover that, no. cover that spread. Florida's so, got a good defense, too. Yeah, I'm liking LSU, but if Florida gets up 10 nothing, I'm hating LSU. Like, if they get uh, a 10 LSU cannot come lead, back yeah, from anything. Like, oh. They can't come back from anything. What they're going to need to do is establish Fournette early. And, and that's what they did not do uh, against Alabama. And, right. and that's hard to do against Alabama. I understand that. Running against Bama is extremely hard. But that's what they did not do against Alabama. 
And while they did hang with Bama for the first couple, you know, quarters, you saw it late because they couldn't run the ball and take some time off the clock. It hurt them so badly, and that's when Bama ran away with that game. Like you said, if if LSU gets down at any point, it might be might be a long game for LSU because oh, they're yeah. going to need to throw, and their quarterbacks have looked. Yeah, I can I can definitely good. see Florida not stealing good. this game. Yeah, I'm shout like, out to Sully though because if LSU wins, Tennessee still got. Still got a chance to make it <laughs> make it to the SEC title game. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Congratulations on getting a chance to get thrashed one more time. <laughs> right, by Bama. <laughs> on a neutral field this time. Though. Yeah, exactly. It's good. Although, uh, when Alabama goes to neutral fields, it's an Alabama home game. So this one coming up could be the game of the week. Colorado-Washington State. The little Pac-12, actually. It's not after dark. They got themselves a prime time slot here. Oh, Pac-12 after uh, brunch. <laughs> Yeah, after after West Coast brunch, Colorado's a four point favorite at home. I like the Buffaloes here. I like Mike Leach as a coach. I just don't know that he can go on the road and win a game against this kind of team yet. He's making great strides, but I'm going with the Buffs here. Yeah, I agree. Colorado's been super impressive. You look back at their game at Michigan in the Big House, and they were up at halftime. Obviously, you know what you're going to get from Mike Leach's team. Luke Falk's going to throw the ball like 45, 50 times. Maybe 70. Maybe 70. You know, pull, pull <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Yeah, Sefa Lufau's really good. Colorado QB and Coach McIntyre really got this program turned around. They definitely turned it around a lot faster than I did, and, or when that I thought they would. And look at them rank 10th in the playoff. Obviously, if they lose this game, it bodes well for USC's chances at the, ti- at the Pac-12 title game, so... We'll see. A lot, a lot of intrigue in that one for sure, but I'm, I'm going to lean towards Colorado as well. I'm going to lean towards Colorado as well because I think Washington State is going to save all their energy for that Washington game. Yeah, I think I they want that. to win that game. Yeah, I, think, wow. I think that would be the game where Mike Leach goes to the next level as a coach. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, yeah. To come in and beat and to, and to declare Washington for Washington State. The state of Washington will be Washington State's at least for another year if they can win that game. It's been a while since that game. Uh, so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Colorado this week just because I think Washington State's gonna be looking forward. And lastly, Oklahoma West Virginia, Oklahoma seven and zero in conference. Can they go to eight and zero in preparation for their big game against Oklahoma State the following week? West Virginia hosts Oklahoma still three point favorite. I don't know what to make of West Virginia. I feel like I've picked against them every week, and then they've won every week. So I'm bucking the trend. Go Mountaineers. Go burn some couches. <laughs> but you really think Oklahoma's going to win? Stop the couch burning. <laughs> embarrassing. Maybe but, Dana Holgerson. Throw back a couple with him. I mean, oh, God. You hear that bite against Bob Huggins will show up. It'll be a sketchy and sketch. About his players Ew. against Texas. That's <laughs> All right. Hot, hot mics and yeah. hot rats, you know. Hot so. mics and... I think Oklahoma will win that game. I, I just I think West Virginia's been overrated all year, and again, that comes down to the, the Big 12. I think there's a lot of teams with big names in the Big 12. I think there's a lot of bad football teams in the Big right. 12. I think a lot of overrated football teams in the Big 12. So I think Oklahoma goes in, goes in there and wins that game. Yeah, more I, would, I would definitely agree with that. And we were talking about bowling eligibility really quick. I think USC is about to put UCLA out of their misery this week. In that ride. Poor Josh Rosen. Yeah, so sad. <laughs> oh, man. I do have one game that I, I know. I was going to let, we're about to sign off, but I was going to let you guys talk about your alma maters real quick because in Ron's case, it comes down to this week pretty much for bowl eligibility. And in Witt's case, well, he's got to win one of his next two games to get to a bowl. So 
We need to win the next two games. Who do you play we this do week, play Rob? Florida State this week. Ah. Let's settle down before everybody gets all crazy thinking that, oh, well, that'll just be a rollover. Every week for the last six weeks, number 17 has lost, including Virginia Tech to Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. That's an interesting so approach. I'm just saying, Florida State, coming to the Carrier Dome, number 17, we got a shot. I'm not saying it's a good one, but I'm going to say it's like okay. dumb and dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. Okay. It's not a good one, but I'm still going to be watching. They're getting 21 points on the road. I mean, yeah, no shit. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, you know what? You made a great case. You made as good of a case as you could. We'll clean that up. Uh, <laughs> with Arizona State, Washington this week, the rivalry game against the Wildcats of Arizona the next. Is it going to happen this year? They get into a bowl game? Uh, let me start out by saying, fun fact, Arizona State <laughs> has beaten Washington 10 times in a row. Not, not a very well-known fact. That but is a fun fact. Exactly. And uh, I don't think this Saturday is going to be very fun for me and my fellow Sun Devils. Washington is going to want to get that bad taste out of their mouth of that USC loss. And unfortunately, our defense is among the worst in college football. I feel like I think we're either second or third in giving up... Uh, plays over 60 yards this season. So, yeah, doesn't bode well for us. Not expecting too much out of this game. Hopefully we don't lose by 60. But then the week after is when it really comes down to it. Hopefully we don't lose by 60. (laughs) The rivalry game against Arizona, the Territorial Cup. They're also terrible this year, but that game's always weird. doesn't matter what the records are, and it's on the road for us. We're playing down in Tucson. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we lost. I think and hope that we're going to win that one, but that's our season there. Either losing to U of A, finishing 5-7, and seven, or 6-6 six and six in a tre- trip to Shreveport or whatever. We're going to Boise the Potato Bowl. <laughs> they're accepting applications. The Bowl is pretty cool. But look, look so it's going to all come down. It's all or nothing. Well, for Ron, it is all or nothing this week, but for you, Definitely it looks like it could come down to a rivalry game all or nothing. So, Which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Right. Yeah, it's going to be bad for Luckily my, for you, Arizona stinks. Well, we got two weeks bad left. Bad my blood pressure that week. That's <laughs> yeah. true, I'm sure. We got two weeks left of regular season football, a week of conference championships, and then there we are. We're right. Playoff will be set. Bowls will be set thereafter, and we will end this party the way we started. I hope we have some great football. Don't know what dominoes are going to drop next. Well, guys, Matt and Ron, thank you for coming on the show. And I'm going to preemptively call my shot. The next time we're going to get this roundtable together, as close as we can, but an instant reaction to the playoff picture being set. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. We're going to do it big then. Who knows? Who knows what those four teams are going to be. But guys, thanks again for coming on the show. (laughs) Got it, Money Mitch. Big thanks to Matt Wittenberg and Ron Schultz for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. The college football roundtable is always a good time. And I'm hopeful that those guys, for their sake, will get to a bowl game. Syracuse has to win this week. Arizona State won the next two. I think it might happen. Well, we're going to keep our hopes up for that, for those guys. But thanks again for coming on the show and breaking it down, college football-wise. All right, now it's time to talk with Brenna Haven. Again, she works for the NFL Network, where we were co-working their first season back in 2014. She works in their Snapchat department. A lot of social media and pop culture expertise. We're going to talk about that, some fashion trends, some power couples, 
as well as the D.C. sports scene and Kentucky basketball, which I'll let her explain why she's a fan. Renna Haven, I'm the Money Mitch Effect. Here it is. Alright, now it's time to step into the sports and pop culture range. Very special guest, got a first timer here on the Money Mitch Effect, Brenna Haven. Brenna, thanks for joining the show. Thank you for having me. So this is a uh, this is a special treat for both of us. We've known each other for a couple years, pretty much since we each got to LA. And here we are years later, still going strong at the NFL Network, still rooting on your DC sports elsewhere. Yes. But I'm glad you could come on the show. We needed not just a female perspective, but more on the pop culture realm. I think we were lacking for the first couple weeks here. Yeah, I'm definitely the female perspective of the sports world, of our friend group at least, too. I am one That's of fair. few and far between of our friend group. That's fair. You kind of balance it with not just being the female, you know, cliche pop culture perspective, but actually knowing your stuff and being a real diehard fan. Watching the actual games, knowing what's going on, which... Coming out of the D.C. area, there hasn't been a lot of joy in, uh, been, in recent memory. It's <laughs> been very, very rough lately. Well, it's, it's tough, too, because you're you know, in your early to mid-20s now, and you just missed the Redskins boom of the 80s. By two weeks. <laughs> By two weeks. I was born two weeks after their last Super Bowl. <laughs> so two weeks after that, it's been kind of futile since. But this year, I don't know. I mean, they win the division last year, but it was... Honestly, it was a it was a terrible year for the NFC East. Yes. Now the NFC East is strong with the Cowboys running away at the moment, best team in football record wise. But here are the Redskins, five three and one under the radar. The Giants are strong. The Eagles are no slouch either. Suddenly the NFC East is great, and the Redskins are right back in it. We are the only division in the NFL right now with all teams over five hundred. Yeah. Which is unreal compared to last year's. Last year's was. You could give anyone that division and they would Oh yeah, it, take it, it and run. It came down to the Saturday night game. It's funny how the Redskins, won, it, it always came down to Redskins-Eagles. Always. And it was about week 16, two years ago, the Redskins, a very bad Redskins team, beat the Eagles, keep them out of the playoffs. And last year, in pretty much a winner-take-all game, the Redskins get the job done mm-hmm. in Philly. In Philly on the road, which is great. So, I know there's a lot of people that might not <laughs> like us bringing up that memory, but... Whatever. They it happens. It. <laughs> it happens. Uh, but I gotta ask you about this Kirk Cousins guy, because, look, I, I'm... You know, we live in a sports world where people are good, people are bad. They start off good, they end up bad. Sometimes there's the occasional journey up. And then you have Cousins that kind of keeps us off guard. When you think he's good, he has his letdown games. And then when you think, all right, especially like this year where he starts off struggling, oh, we're not sure, he just rattles off a couple great games back and back to back. What's your thoughts on how he's been playing and if he is the quarterback of the future in D.C.? Um, well, it's also about who he surrounds himself with. I think that our wide receiver core and our tight ends are obviously huge. Jordan Reed is one of the best tight ends in the NFL, oh, yeah. in my perspective. So um, just by having him around and having guys that he can throw to, I think is huge. Deshaun Jackson, we didn't have him last game. Personally, I think he could go either way. I could deal without him. He's hot and cold. He's hot and cold. And Kirk waited his time. We got through the whole RG3 saga. He was drafted the same year. And he kind of came in his own after his You Like That moment Mm -hmm. last year. And then this year, he has to prove himself. 
He did, and he started out very he slow. Started out very slow. We played. We played a good Pittsburgh Steelers team week one. Week two, we lost to the, the Cowboys. Yeah. And then after that, he just decided that he needed to get into his mode. He keeps very well to himself and does his thing. Going back to Jordan Reed, when he plays, that, that's the big thing. Oh, he, yeah. He's had some tough times getting on the field, but his stats per game are as good as anyone outside of Gronk. Absolutely. Cousins is just fascinating to me because the moment's never too big for him. He, he has his limitations. I don't think he'll ever be in that top-level elite class of being a quarterback, but... He's pretty mentally strong, and he, he he can throw the deep ball. I think that's a very underrated part of his game. We also don't win with showy quarterbacks. <laughs> no. Our quarterbacks that we have won with have been very well, mediocre quarterbacks at best. Yeah, and it's so funny about Cousins because he's a guy that, you know, they have that, I just saw that ad with uh, LeBron where it's the I'm, I wasn't supposed to be here mm-hmm. ad, which, okay, I mean, this is a guy that was highly touted all the way through. I don't really get the logic there. Mm-hmm. But Cousins is a guy that I think that makes sense for. He really wasn't supposed to be there. He mm-hmm. was the third, I think the last quarterback Michigan State recruited, drafted in the same class as RG3. I don't think a lot of guys would have been able to overcome that and overcome the mental block of someone who makes more money than you, who is thought of more highly than you mm-hmm. in both cases. And he's a guy that can handle the workload, but defensively, is where, again, like the offense, they've been kind of inconsistent at times. When they play well, this is a very dangerous team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the defensive line can be great when they want to be. Right. And so can the secondary. The secondary was very iffy this past weekend. Yeah, they were. um, I was really impressed with how they got the job done against Minnesota. The Cincinnati game was was a textbook hot and cold for both those teams. Because both those teams looked great at times within that same game and then awful where if one got the lead, they would just give it right back up. Mm-hmm. It can be frustrating, but at least there's something there. I think they're still a little bit away from being a true title contender, but there's some pieces in play, and I'm with you on Deshaun Jackson. I'm not sure. Uh, he's a playmaker. His speed is electric, but is he going to check in? All is he going to check in, quarters? and is he going to be healthy is the other issue. I mean, he's got he's going up and down, shoulder, knee, back, whatever it may be, and... We just don't know, week in and week out, whether he's going to be there or not. And I do appreciate Kirk Cousins keeping it fresh, you know, recycling his catchphrases year to year. You like that was a good one, now he does the ooey. Oh, yeah. It's good. No, I think he's he's got some character as well, and you can tell the team likes to play for him, mm-hmm. which, unfortunately, in the NFL is kind of a big deal because that's not always the case. They Absolutely. do rally around him. and No, I think there's something there. Who knows how many playoff teams this division is going to get. And I was laughed at. Now, I didn't pick the Redskins to go, but I was laughed at preseason by saying I think two NFC East teams could go this year. And it's, now I think that's a conservative estimate. It's going to come down to Week 17. Giants, yeah. Redskins, and Dallas Eagles. That's It's going to wow. come down and to... And you know what? Man, I think Philly got an enormous gift in the sense that Dallas could be all clinched up by Week 17. Yeah, and they've started absolutely. Out could be... Unfortunately for the Redskins and the Giants. But if it comes down to the second, if it yeah. comes down to a wild card team between the NFC, these two NFC teams, then it's winner take all kind of thing. And with how poor the NFC North, the mm-hmm. NFC South now look, mm-hmm. that wild card first round matchup isn't the pushover game that mm-hmm. we thought. There could be a team in this division on the road that wins. Really exciting there. So talking. Football, sports, whatever you want to call it with Brenna Haven right now on the Money Mitch Effect. And I want to switch to another D.C. team that's kind of got you down, the Washington Capitals. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm with you on here. I've been an Ovechkin fan since he came into the league. But this is a tough one because there's not really a reason to explain 
why they haven't won the Stanley Cup, why they haven't gotten to the finals, why they haven't gotten to the conference finals since he's gotten there. Are you numb to it by now, or does it just keep letting you down each spring? We're the best team in the regular season, and then once it comes to the playoffs, we choke. We're like the choke masters. Yeah. And it's just, it just, for some reason, we just can't get over that hump, and that's every Washington team. <laughs> Not just the Capitals, yeah. but... And they want to put the parts around Ovi to get him to where he should be, which is a Stanley Cup championship, yeah. but, but they just can't, for some reason, just can't get past that second round. Yeah, well, you know, this past year was really... I felt bad for you the most this past year because this was their best team by far. Oh, absolutely. They finally got to playing defense. Holtby was amazing. Mm -hmm. But I said going in, there's only one team, and it's the way the playoff format was set up where now you got to come out of your division. Mm -hmm. Here's this Pittsburgh team that's mm -hmm. hot. I mean, we saw that was like, like the equivalent to a conference final. I know, Toronto, I know Tampa Bay was a tough team, but the way Washington and Pittsburgh played, I mean, you knew that... Whoever came out of there was going to come out with some serious momentum. Everyone said that it should have been the conference final. Yeah. I mean, even <laughs> our coach said it. He was like, that should have been the conference final. But if you want to win it all, you got to win those yeah. games. And there's no way, though, that you can really label Ovechkin a choke. Because I know he hasn't gotten the job done, but his stats-wise, he produces in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Unreal. But the other guys have to step up. you got yeah. to get Baxter to step up. you got to get Justin Williams and TJ Oshie. Like... You guys got to win these games. I know, and I know, yeah, John Carlson mm -hmm. is another guy on that team. And, well, I remember when the Capitals had uh, the notorious playoff choker that people forget is Alexander Semin, oh, who yeah. was great in I the I love Alexander, too. You know, I had heard from hockey people that said Ovechkin isn't as talented as Semin. Semin has more talent, but it's a toughness thing. It's an okay. engagement thing. Mm -hmm. Ovechkin's going to bring it night in, night out. We can't count on this other guy, and you mm -hmm. kind of saw that in the playoffs, mm -hmm. so... Absolutely. Um, but no, I'm, I'm hopeful. I like the Capitals. I hey. like TJ Oshie. I know you're a big fan of him and his cute little family. Big fan of TJ Oshie and his, and his family. And my, my actual favorite Caps player is Tom Wilson, just because oh. he's a fighter. But. Yeah, yes, he is. He's probably one of the best <laughs> And he's not so. horrible to look at either. But All right. Well, just... <laughs> we're all there. Although I will, say, I will say this, and I want to ask this question. Was there a more sad moment? in your D.C. sports fandom, not counting, you know, obviously playoff losses, but then when Brooks Lights got traded, because I know he's a fan favorite. Unless you're really a hockey person or a D.C. person, you probably don't understand how important he was to that broke, organization. Broke my heart when he left, just because he was he had been there for 12 years. He was the longest tenured D.C. Yeah. sports player. One year, and, after, one year before Ovechkin got there. Yeah, and... and to part ways with him was really sad just because he was a vet on that team and leadership and really brought the community together and everyone knew him. If you didn't know Brooks on the team, you didn't really know hockey, obviously. So mm -hmm. it's it was it was hard to definitely lose yeah. him, but yeah. wish him all the best in Toronto. And yeah. Hope he's doing well. Yeah, no, I know. There's another one, uh, Dancing with the Stars, uh, right? Former Dancing with the yes. Stars girl. Julian Hupp. Julian Hupp, yes. yes. So, I mean, the Capitals do okay for themselves mm -hmm. on the uh, dating scene. So Yes, they do. Good for them. And before we, we move on, I, I want to wrap up the D.C. side because I don't talk to too many people. You have the Nationals who, you know, they're showing something. It's still a little early to label them mm -hmm. chokers yet. Mm -hmm. But the Wizards are a team where we keep waiting for the Wall-Beal connection to get to that next level, too. I don't know who I, don't know who I would bet on between those two to make the next step. Probably the Nationals, just because in baseball, it's not as superstar-centric, but 
I wonder, because John Wall is a great player, and Bradley Beal now is the fifth highest paid player in the NBA, which, which I don't is insane. understand. But insane. I'd like to see the Wizards do a little bit more on the hard court. I would like to see the Wizards do more, but you're right with the whole with the Nationals probably being the better team to hopefully make a playoff run. But I mean the Wizards you have to put someone around him. Like you gotta get some big men down there. Yeah. Gortat can't do it. No. <laughs> and I don't know I've heard rumors that John Wall and Bradley Beal's relationship was rocky. It's You think money has a factor in that? Look, because sure, we absolutely. John Wall is a better player than Bradley Beal. I think yeah, that's common knowledge. Absolutely. He makes forty million dollars over the length of his deal less than mm-hmm. Bradley Beal. I that has to factor in. As mm-hmm. much as people say it doesn't, oh. you play sports for money. Absolutely. It has to do with it. And John Wall, if they don't start producing, he's going to be like, okay, guys, see you later. Right. You've committed this guy as mm-hmm. the face of your franchise. Like, I'm out. They were stuck between a rock and a hard place with Beal, though, because the contract money had ballooned up, mm-hmm. and they didn't really have a plan B. Mm-hmm. So it's either overpay for him or lose him, and then you're, then, yeah. wow, it's, it's dark days if you... Just lose Beal completely. Exactly. And he's another guy like Jordan Reed that has to get on the court, has to, has to play. He has to play and stop getting hurt. Now it's a hamstring. I mean, come on. I know. I like, I like watching him play. But get yeah. some muscle and, and start making moves here. And, and the one last thing I want to ask you with all your four sports teams, is there one team in particular, if you had to pick one team that they play against you hate the most, who would that be in oh, any of the four sports? Dallas. The Cowboys? 100% <laughs> Dallas. What is it about them? Is it just, a, is it arrogance? Is it the fan base themselves? What? All of the above. <laughs> it's <laughs> their arrogance. It's their, how they like to showboat. And they think that they're, quote unquote, America's team, which I don't understand at all. But whatever, that's okay. It's just, it's the fans. It's Jerry Jones. Although I do want to go to that stadium. Oh, yeah. At one time in my life. But it's Jerry Jones, it's Jason Garrett, it's the whole, the egos of being a Dallas Cowboy and being a Dallas Cowboy fan just, it just rubs me the wrong way. And I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it's kind of like with me and the Steelers, when you see a good player, a player you like out of college, go to them, you're just a little sad inside. Like, no, I, I can't root yeah, them anymore. I don't draft any Cowboys in fantasy football. I can't. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty dark. I can't right. do it. So. <laughs> right, wow, that's, uh, that's pretty dark. Yeah. So still talking sports with Brenda Haven on the Money Mitch Effect. We're going to work our way around a couple of different sports. Now, maybe your biggest passion of all the sports, college basketball. College basketball, yeah. And you're a Kentucky fan. Y- yes. People like to make fun of <laughs> okay. me because... You know, no, explain yourself. No, this is good. I'm not going to... I want you to explain okay. why and how you're a Kentucky fan. People like to make fun of me because I'm a Kentucky fan, but I'm also a Maryland Terrapin fan because my dad went to Maryland. And my brother is currently at Kentucky. And your favorite football team is? My favorite football team is Alabama. (laughs) Because my entire dad's side of my family lives in Alabama. So I have connections. Typical Kentucky, Alabama. Exactly. Typical fan. Yeah. But you know what? I take crap from everyone. It's fine. But yeah. So the Wildcats. Now, I need to ask you this question before we dive into this year's theme. John Calipari, Mm -hmm. known as one of the best recruiters, Mm -hmm. not the most popular guy among college basketball fan circles, coaching circles. Are you personally a fan, or do you just associate with he's our coach of our team, he does a good job of what he's supposed to do? Can you separate him and his personality with just being the coach of Kentucky basketball? I do like him as a person. I mean, I feel like it's hard, it, it is hard to separate mm-hmm. the man from the job. Yeah. It is. It's difficult, unless you like live, breathe, and watch Kentucky basketball 24-7, which I don't. But... 
he does what he needs to do to get these players to the next level. He helps them if their dream is to be in the NBA. He helps them get there, no matter how fast it is, no matter what they have to do. I mean, look at how many players he has in the NBA right now. Yeah. It's insane. Maybe and all of them are doing pretty well. I mean, he's got basically the entire <laughs> guard situation in Phoenix. Right. He's got both centers in Sacramento. <laughs> he's got John Wall. He's got, I mean, Anthony Davis. Anthony yeah, Davis. Like, you've named Derek these guys off. go back to Memphis. Something attracts them to Kentucky or to John Calipari, whether it be the fastest way to get to the NBA. Right, and I'm sure it's all perfectly legal. <laughs> it, 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 well, it might not be. I don't know. I no, have no idea. I mean, they do get tattoos very often, so I don't, all, I'm not saying anything. In all seriousness, he's as good a recruiter as I've ever seen yes. in any sport. The problem, and the question to follow up I'd ask you, do you think that's sustainable enough to win a title when you have guys that are only there for a year? And as a fan, is that something that, you know, we've seen him for a couple of years, that you are you all right with this approach? I'm going to get the best players, and we're only going to have them for one year. It's worth college basketball is going, which is yeah. sad, but it, yeah. but it is. I mean, we got we had it when they won in um tw- what is it twenty twelve? Yeah, twenty twelve, where they had that team, and then ne- the started next right. year in October, had to learn all new guys. Basically, had to start over. Yeah, it's funny because that team, the undefeated team, I hate to bring up bad memories, but the undefeated team I thought was great, dominant team. But that 2012 team, I thought, not just because they won the title, was definitely the most well-rounded mm-hmm. recruiting class he had. He struggles, and I'm going to get into that this year with you, but the shooters have been an issue with this team. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be their downfall in the tournament. Teams start to play zone. They bog up the middle. They make mm-hmm. you make outside shots. Mm-hmm. That team made those shots. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. I mean, Anthony Davis had a lot to do with opening the space. But every year, you're going to get two of the top four or five players in the country on Kentucky. Absolutely. It's a pretty good problem to have. Absolutely. And that team, Anthony Davis was the fifth highest scorer, highest yeah. scorer on that team. Yeah. And now look at him. I mean, it just and, – and you're right with the shooters, and I get that. But, th- I mean, this year's problem, and I was just watching the game earlier, are big men. So going into this year's team, are we feeling confident about what they're going to do in the tournament? I know it's hard it's to say early. they're going to be a contender, but – how are you feeling going into this? It's season? early. We lost some good guys last year, and and some guys were um, okay with losing. <laughs> It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they do come mid-January when they play Kansas in Lexington this year. It'll be interesting when they play UCLA in Lexington again. I mean, you have big games, but this is the even year where they are playing at home. And I think, too, I mean, we saw it in what year was that, 2013? There's was a 2014. 2014, where you don't want them to get hot. Yes. The 2014 run, I'm trying to say, where Mm -hmm. they were an eight seed. Mm -hmm. They underachieved all year. But if they catch fire, there's too many athletes, there's too many players that can learn on the fly Mm -hmm. that don't even realize their potential. Mm -hmm. They're always dangerous. And I just, I have to see more. I know it's tough with freshmen and sophomore. We don't really know yet how good they can be. But I do think Isaiah Briscoe coming back this year was huge for them and having that sophomore presence and having him kind of be that veteran that they have. I mean, they have Derek Willis and Dominic Hawkins, who are both seniors as well, but Isaiah played, obviously, 80% of the game. He's that veteran presence on the floor and that point guard and that guy that they all the freshmen can turn to if they ever need anything. So then before, and one last thing I wanted to ask you, who's your favorite Kentucky player in the NBA? If you had to pick one that you're kind of a fan of 
right now. Devin Booker. I, I knew you were going to say that. Devin and Booker. his career is just so awesome. Oh, my God. He's, he's unreal. And he's only tw- 19. No it's one knew insane. he'd be this good. Right. In college, he didn't even look this good. No. it was, But it was him and Tyler Ulis. And now him and Tyler Ulis are back together again in Phoenix. I mean, Devin Booker is putting in the hard work, and he's dedicating himself, and he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Certainly is. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see how he develops, how that Phoenix Suns-Kentucky West team develops. It's I want to see good. them when they come out to L.A. I'm oh. like counting. I'm ready to go. <laughs> go. I'm ready to buy my Devin Booker jersey. Talking sports with Brenna Haven on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, let's get back into your come up in the sports world. Miami of Ohio is where you went to school. And it's a good night to have you on the show as well, because we got double maction on ESPN. The weekday Mac football game. If you're a diehard sports fan, the only reason you'd be watching that game oh, is absolutely. if you're a diehard sports fan or a degenerate gambler. But Miami of Ohio, what was it like going to school there and, I guess, getting introduced into the sports world? When did you know that that's something you wanted to be involved in? Well, I played basketball ever since I was seven years old until my senior year of high school, so 11 years, mm-hmm. competitively, traveled, did a bunch of things, always knew I wanted to be in sports, I didn't know how, I just knew right. I wanted to be in sports, went to Miami, only 15,000 kids, it was, it was on the smaller end, so I knew I was able to get good experience in the sports world, I applied to an internship in their sports department and got along with their SID very well, so he gave me an internship and... I got to work the football games, the basketball games, hockey. I got to travel to the MAC tournament in Cleveland yeah. my sophomore year for basketball. Got to work with CBS when they came for hockey. It was great. Teams aren't good. Well, and I, it's MAC-tion. It's MAC-tion. Hockey's not bad. <laughs> Hockey's not bad. They, they're having a down year this year, but they're perennially in or around the tournament. They were in the Frozen Four my senior year of high school. So oh. when I was deciding to go to Miami, that was when they were in the Frozen Four, and it I was like, oh, cool. Hockey. Great. Love it. Yeah. You mentioned all the experience that you have. And, and I went to a similar school where I guess I'd say our sports journalism program wasn't on the par of like a Stanford or Northwestern. Oh, absolutely. But you have all these teams. You have all this opportunity yeah. to kind of just carve your own ticket and, and find something that you really identify with. But I, if I have this correct, you came out here before you wind up the NFL job, correct. just determined to get a job and make it out here. And it, correct. I mean, it was a gamble, but it looks like it paid off as of now. Correct. I moved out here a week after graduation with no job, sure, trying to figure it out, and moved in with a family friend for a couple of months, and randomly found the job at the NFL through my grandparents back in D.C. They met a guy at dinner who actually golfs with one of our bosses. Wow. So that's how, I didn't even know this job existed. I had <laughs> no idea. And then I got emails and calls and got brought in for an interview. And a week later, I was, they offered me, offered me a job. Wow. No, it's, it, it's always funny. And, you know, about 30 of us, about mm-hmm. 20 to 30 of us started around the same time. Mm-hmm. And every story is just slightly different from our background to how the job, how getting hired and Absolutely. process went. Absolutely. So, I don't know. I know I got... Like an email reply saying that like the guy I interviewed with was on a medical leave or something. So I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of a nice way to let me down. Like, <laughs> exactly. And they were serious, so it was. Uh, it yeah, I got out. the phone call being like, oh, I'm going on vacation tomorrow, so I wouldn't tell you now <laughs> that we're gonna offer you a job. And I was like, uh, well, uh, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. But you were here though, so we should. I was here. I went in for the in-person interview. I was just trying to get my name out there and figure it out and. 
I would have really been anything. And what's it like now? I, you know, you're working with Snapchat with mm-hmm. social media. The NFL, how it's been covering, how the company's been covering games have changed so much, even from the time I was there two years ago. What's it like working on that end of the spectrum, working with some of these social media devices as they grow? It's interesting because I, this is the first year, it's a brand new Snapchat Discover page that um, I'm working on, and people are seem to love it, and it's a new way to access information, a new way to access the players and the coaches and the teams, and we get behind-the-scene footage that no one else gets, and... If you're into football but not so into football, it's a great it's a great place to look at highlights or read about players or anything like that. But it just it's a new whole new system that we're trying to learn day in and day out. Just yeah, it just makes perfect sense. You see the Snapchat stories that have been mm-hmm. happening. Absolutely. And now you can get the full story of what's going on around the game, the arrivals, what you know, the latest oh, fashion absolutely. trends. Yeah, going on we have are. playlists and what kind type of food they like and what they do on their off days and... Well, I thought one of the smartest things was letting athletes take over oh, the Snapchat yeah. account. Absolutely. Getting that experience while they're able to interact. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it definitely gives fans a different perspective on athletes and their days at work and how they work during the season. But do you think now, as we get into 2016, going to be 2017 soon, do you think it's... All this access, because we've never seen, we've never had an era where athletes are so accessible. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's necessarily a good thing all the way around, or there's some setbacks and maybe some issues with that? Um, I do think it's a good thing, but I do also think it's a bad thing. I think that the athletes feel as though they need to be on 24-7. Mm-hmm. They can't kind of just be themselves unless they're at home, unless yeah. they're not on their phone or tweeting or Instagramming or whatever they are. It's definitely more of a job than just playing. They're role models. They have to make sure they're wearing the right things when they walk to the grocery store. If they, they make go, a mistake, exactly, they're, they're on blast. They're on blast. And there's a lot of mistakes that we don't know about that happened in the exactly. 60s and 70s. But exactly. It now, it's rough. And, you know, I think you know, interacting with athletes, like interacting with, with athletes on Twitter, the problem that I have, and it's not just on the athlete side, context is completely lost. Absolutely. So you don't know. I mean, obviously, there's people, unfortunately, there's and there's all mm-hmm. that sort of thing where it's clear to identify. But sometimes it's hard to tell what the intent is, what an athlete's saying, what a fan's asking maybe an athlete, mm-hmm. and all that can be lost in translation oh, and absolutely. just create divisive personalities. And that, you could say one thing and say it a certain way, but then typing it becomes completely generic. And yeah. you don't know if they're saying it happy or angry or basically saying, screw you, I don't, like, you don't know. Snapchat's the same way. We've seen athletes get in trouble with Snapchat recently. Exactly. There's a fine line between the public button and the private button. (laughs) Yeah, you got to make sure. (laughs) We've seen that on a national stage too many times to rehash. But no, I think it's an interesting dilemma to have because like certain sites like the Players' Tribune, Mm -hmm. I think that was just, it was only a matter of time before something like that came up where players felt, look, my words are getting misconstrued on Twitter and in the media. I need to be an outlet. Absolutely. And I totally get the other side why the media doesn't like that as much because they don't get to break the stories, they don't get the exclusiveness, but you know, it works both ways. You can't, you have more of something, you keep pushing on something, eventually there's going to be some pushback. And well, absolutely. That's a good thing. And I mean, even today, we were, I was at work and Tony Romo had his little press conference. Right. And people now on, on Twitter are like, oh, does this mean he's going to retire? Is he, like, the way that he, the way he said everything... 
is this, is he retiring? Is he going like what, what team should he go to next? What team like you know what I mean? So you have to say things a certain way and yeah, we like look, we just read into things, but we exactly don't know. like we're not exactly. There, it's all speculation at this point. And you could also argue too that players should be on Twitter mm-hmm. accounts, uninterrupted, all these sites. The athletes don't want to have to follow up on this. They want to yeah. just put their words out there, let it speak, and let fans and the media think what they think. It is an interesting time, and it keeps changing. I mean, think how much it's changed oh just in the last two and a half years. It's insane. It's hard to think where it's going to be two and a half years I, from now. I have no idea. One last thing before I let you go, talking sports and, and other endeavors in the pop culture world with Brenna Haven on the Money Mitch Effect. Pop culture and sports. Yeah. I'm a fan of both. I think that's right in your wheelhouse. I want to get your take on some of the current events and current and current happenings in that world. Sure. But the one area that I want to focus on is the intersection of sports and fashion. Okay. We're seeing NBA players, Russell Westbrook comes to mind, NFL players like Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. They clearly know now that the camera's always on them, yes. that when they arrive, it's always on them, that they have a chance to make a statement, not just through their words, and we're seeing some fashion statements that are a little on the different side, I'd say. Yeah, not the best, in my opinion, but they could have stylists and people telling them they look great, and I mean, the thing that comes to mind is Cam's pink suit, which is yeah, was it's horrific. a little weird, isn't it? Yeah. Horrific. The Cam Newton post-press conference attire is it's, a little on the different side. You, you, you say you don't want attention to yourself, yet you dress in bright pink. So you're right. going to get and attention. He's different than a... I mean, Westbrook's just the guy who just doesn't care. I mean, oh, absolutely. He does. He doesn't... And there's a sense much. of style there. He mean, yeah. he went to UCLA. Like, there's a sense of style sometimes. there. Yeah, sometimes. Not the Instagram photographer shot at Kevin Durant that was clearly no. when they played them, but... Beckham, I'm seeing, you know, he's definitely has that laid back style mm-hmm. and he's, you know, he's a showman too, but he's not a showman, I guess, in the media no. in the sense that he's not going to let his words do his talking for him. No. Westbrook's similar in that regard, but Cam, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. It's, so some of them take it a little too far, but I'm partial to the just nice suit and tie. Yeah, the sometimes just cleaning up nice, Sometimes yeah. just cleaning up nice, you know? T- sometimes Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady will wear a nice <laughs> grandpa sweater, and I like that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's Sam Bradford, it just looks like he just fell asleep after the game and right. rolls out into there, yeah. It's... Right, exactly, I know, like, they do the whole fashion popo thing on NFL now, and I like that segment just because they show who they like, and... I get to kind of, we get to kind of decide if we agree with them (laughs) or not, but yeah. The last thing I wanted to ask you, in the sports world, we've seen a lot more power couples. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's athlete and athlete, sometimes it's athlete and entertainer. Do you think this is a good thing for, I guess, let's say athletic performance? Does it matter? Can it be a distraction? I'm seeing a lot of all different types of examples, but... I don't know. It's hard to distinguish the difference between this is just a publicity stunt between people that want to be famous mm-hmm. and people that might be in love, might be ready to settle down and mm-hmm. marry someone. Yeah, no, it's there definitely are examples of people who just want to continue or want to get their name out there. Like by Khloe dating. Kardashian. Correct. <laughs> Not I, love, I love Khloe Kardashian. Kardashian. I love her. I think she's great. But I mean, That's the easiest example. Right. But then my, my other two, two of my other thoughts that come to mind are Russell Wilson and Sierra. And I do think that they are true. Like, I think they're legit. Mm-hmm. And 
Was there a bigger lock, by the way, in the betting world than Sierra was going to get pregnant? Oh, I don't like think so. Oh, I don't think married. so at all. Okay. I don't think so at all. We'll just gloss over that then. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, it was definitely, he definitely was slacking a little bit in the first couple of weeks Yep. I mean, he's too busy raising future sons. Exactly. So I don't know. Yeah, and then the other couple that comes to my mind is Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, who I right. love. I think they're fantastic but i also think it's maturity i think that yeah, she's older yeah. and he's older so it's also a maturity factor and she doesn't put herself out in the media like no. a lot of these other celebrity girlfriends celebrity wives and, no. and it works on the other side too i mean we've seen serena williams have a couple of high profile boyfriends sure. that have been in it for the spotlight sure. we saw was it caroline wozniacki and, uh-huh. and Rory mcelroy uh-huh. and, and jj, JJ Watt Watt and Ryan Kerrigan. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But no, I think it's hard, and I don't blame an entertainer or an athlete for wanting something more simple. No. It goes both ways, though, because if you're both in the spotlight, you're on busy schedules, and it's, it's hectic. But if one person's a stay-at-home type, and the other's an athlete traveling the world, right? I think it's, that can be tough, too. I think it's harder if they're both real A-list. like Rodgers and Munn, that Brady and Giselle. Those are correct. the two that come up to mind. Right. They make it work. But I think if Sierra was making an album right now and promoting an album, I think it would be a little more difficult. But yeah, so it's just it's also trying to make it work. I mean, obviously Chloe didn't make it work with James Harden either, so I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> or uh, or Lamar. So, I mean, there's a exactly there's a long list names. of people. But yeah. And I think athlete and athlete relationship, it's gotta be the hardest because mm-hmm. they're both traveling in season and even if they play the same season they're gone all the time for a mm-hmm. six seven month stretch if it's different sports then you're gone at different times but you get each other's schedule which yeah. is nice That's you, true. And you understand what the other person's going through you understand that the other person has to be at training or at practice or in the in the weight room or getting right. taped up or whatever it may be you I mean, get I, it i bring up rogers and olivia munn because i think he and I can't speak for them, I haven't met either of them, but I think that it would be something along the lines of, all right, it's football season, it's football, but when we're in the off-season, I can just follow her around, I can spend all the time with her. They live in Green Bay. She lives in Green Bay. She <laughs> yeah. loves going, That's like, great. I've seen, I don't know them, obviously, but she, I've heard in, 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 in interviews and whatever, she's said that she loves going to Green Bay and loves going to the grocery store there and, and having no one recognize her, wow. which is awesome. Well, yeah, it, it's... It's always an interesting debate. There's always couples that pop up in the entertainment world. We gravitate towards that. Yeah. It's fun when celebrities date each other. Yeah, especially fun being a girl in NFL. you got to get to it's always, see who they're yeah. dating a little well, yeah, bit. Well, there's always jealousy. And it works on the other side, too. Exactly. I don't even follow soccer, but when that uh, Gerard whatever started dating Shakira and then married him, mm-hmm. I got very, very mad. So. <laughs> You know. And then cute two little two little cute babies. I know. But I always respected uh, Anna Kurnikova was my first crush, mm. and now Enrique Iglesias that that just irritated me. But with Sergey Fedorov and mm-hmm. Pablo Vera, I respected mm-hmm. that. All right, mm-hmm. so Fair. well that's gonna do it. Hey Brenna, this was fun. This Thanks was for fun. coming on the show, and we'll have to see now next week if Miami ends up playing for a chance to go to the MAC championship game. We're gonna have to figure out a way to get you back on. Okay. <laughs> Miami of Ohio. I don't really know much about that football team, but I'll have to look it up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, that makes two of us. (laughs) All right, Brian, thanks for coming on the show.
special thanks to all our guests on today's show, Ron Schultz, Matt Winberg, Brenna Haven. Thanks for coming correct and bringing some great, great content to today's show. And I just want to say 26 episodes in. Thank you, everybody out there for listening, for being a part of this amazing journey. 26 episodes in, and we're only going to get better from here on out. I promise you that. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play by just searching My Image Effect. Thanks to Tim Adams for supplying the music that you hear on the podcast. Makes it sound that much better. And thanks to Brian Nelson for providing the logos that you see associated with the show. One more show playing for you this week, a Friday edition. We're going to preview Week 11 NFL football and talk basketball and other sports. It's going to be good. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. you got to trust me at this point. I haven't steered you wrong yet. One more show this week, a couple next week. Thanksgiving is Thursday. Hard to believe that's already here. But I'll get you to the holiday. Have no fear. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate each and every one of my listeners. Mitch Michaels, Money Mitch, signing off. Have a good week. <laughs>